Converting leads, closing deals, and performing amongst the top salespeople in your industry require more than just talent and experience. Hear from the best as we discuss the proven formulas they use to generate new leads and close deals on the science of business development. Greg DeKalb here with the Science of Business Development. We got an excellent show lined up today with good friend and business partner, Colin Eaglesfield. How are you doing today? Good. How you doing, Greg? I'm doing very well. Doing very well. Thanks for having me. Got our Inspire Summit. Yep. So let's talk a little bit about that. You know, you came up with this concept um, a couple of years ago, right? And now we're finally, after the pandemic, able to bring it live and yeah. continue on, right? Finally. Finally. Uh, so yeah, I, um, this whole, all kind of came out of my book, Agile Artist, that I wrote three years ago. And um, you know, I think when we look back in life, a lot of the times we don't really realize where life is going to take us. And um, for me, growing up here in the south suburbs of Chicago, the idea of going out to Hollywood and becoming a professional actor was never really something that I even thought of. I mean, growing up, I was never really around actors. My older sister liked to go to theater camp and that sort of thing, but I was always more interested in sports and, and just kind of, you know, playing in the back, backyard and building tree forts and stuff. So acting wasn't really ever in the forefront of what I thought was, gonna, was something that I was going to be doing. But as we get older, I think we start to look at what, what do I want to do in life? What do I want mm -hmm. my life to be all about? And for me, I ended up at the University of Iowa, was studying biology pre-med. Uh, my dad was a doctor. He's a, a gynecologist, obstetrician. I watched him deliver one baby, and after that I was like, you know what, I don't think this is for me. <laughs> and, uh, and so I just kept pursuing this, you know, this, I guess, idea of becoming a doctor. I was thinking about being a general practitioner. But I think we all know in our heart if something is right or not. Mm -hmm. But at 17, 18, 19 years old, how do you know what to do with that not knowing, you know, without having really had much experience in life? I think it's kind of crazy that we expect kids at such a young age to decide what they're going to do for the rest of their life. And for me, you know, once I got to junior, senior year of college and I was like, oh shit, like this is it. Like I either, I am, I'm about to decide to go to medical school mm -hmm. and spend hundreds of thousands of dollars and I'm not 100% sure if this is something that I really want to do. And so I felt like, and I think a lot of people are in this place where they're just not, they haven't found that passion, that thing in their mm -hmm. life that they're like, yes, this is what I want to do. Uh, my younger brother is a pilot for Southwest Airlines. Mm -hmm. And as soon as he, um, he got the chance to fly in a, a Cessna with one of his friends, he was like, this is what I want to do. This is what I, you know, I want to devote my whole life to. And I think some people are lucky enough to mm -hmm. find that early in life. Um, and I think some people need to get out and explore and see the world and meet people and just see what's out there to really even know what's mm -hmm. out there. Um, did you know what you wanted to do when you were young? Oh, I didn't have a clue. No clue. Oh, no, right? no clue at all. Yeah. I yeah. just knew you had, you had to go to college for this reason or that reason, come out with a exactly. degree in a reasonable yeah. amount of time. Be an accountant. Yeah. I, okay, something. I guess. I, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? No, exactly. Now, but you did have a little bit of luck, uh, but you made your own luck. And I'm referring to when you were, I, I believe, a senior in college. Yes. And you took a little bit of a leap of faith. And yeah. 
So you did you always have a little bit of an acting bug or in a modeling bug? Where, where did that come from and what made you act on it? It's a good question. Uh, I didn't have an acting bug or a, a bug for modeling. I mean, I'm sure you've seen the movie Zoolander. Oh, sure. You know, yeah. like um, Ben Stiller and the, I mean, the whole, the whole idea of getting your picture taken because you're good looking, it's kind of ridiculous, right? Mm -hmm. But you got to sell, there's companies want to sell things. So they want to sell clothes. They want to sell whatever. So they need people to be those people that are getting their picture taken and doing that sort of thing. I, again, that's not something that I ever thought about or thought was like a thing you could do for a living. Um, but I was a waiter at the University of Iowa Athletic Club, hated my job, hated my boss. And I was driving home one night at like 1030 at night with like ketchup and freaking gravy on my shirt. And it was the middle of February, it was probably like five degrees below zero. And I heard on the radio about this, do you want to travel the world and uh, work in Europe and, and do the runways with Giorgio Armani and, um, and make really good money? Come to the model search at the Davenport Holiday Inn next Tuesday night at seven o'clock. And I'm like, I'm fucking going to that. <laughs> like, fuck this. So I was like, I went to this thing I was like, I, I have no idea what this thing is all about. Mm -hmm. And I think <clears throat> life presents opportunities mm -hmm. to us like this. And I think a lot of the times we're like, eh, I'm not going to do that. There, there could be no way or that there's no possibility that, that anything could come out of it. But it happens. You've got to go out into those, when those doors open, you've got to walk through them just to, just to see what it's like. I mean, there's no harm, no foul in just showing up. Right. Exactly. Just, if someone invites you to something, I think that that's one of the biggest lessons I've learned in life is when you get an invitation to do something, mm -hmm. it, you know, it, even though you don't know what it is, or if you think you know what it is, you never know. And so I took this chance. I went to this thing, got hooked up with this model search company and they were like, come to our model convention in Chicago. So I graduated, took the MCAT for medical school. And I still, I was like, oh man, I don't, I don't know if this medical school thing is really something that I really want to do. Um, but I went to this model search and started going on some modeling castings. And, you know, it's kind of ridiculous. You show up and they throw some clothes on you and you take pictures. But I, what I liked about it was I started to be around very creative photographers, art directors, makeup artists. And so I started being around these really creative people. And that's what I really liked about the whole model industry was super creative people. Mm -hmm. And that really spoke to me. And then it was amazing. I, I got this opportunity to go to Milan, Italy. And <clears throat> every uh, twice a year, they do the runway shows in Milan, Italy, then Paris, then London. And so my agent here in Chicago sent me to Milan, Italy. And you show up at these castings and it's like, 200, 300 of the most beautiful guys in the world. And I'm like barely 5'11". And these guys are like 6'1", 6'2". And I mean, they're just like from Sweden and Brazil and Russia. I mean, like ladies out there, if you want to like see some really beautiful men, go to Milan, Italy during Fashion Week. And I'm just like, God, these, like, these dudes are like really good looking guys. And you show up at these castings and then they just make you walk up and down as if like you're on the runway. And I'm just like, I, 
and you don't realize how awkward you, you feel walking until someone tells you to walk and they videotape you walking. You start to becoming very self-conscious of like, mm-hmm. do I walk weird or like how do my arm, like it's just kind of, once you become self-conscious of, your, of who you are and what you do, it can make, it can stop you from just being natural and being organic and that's mm-hmm. why a lot of people get afraid in front of the camera. Even doing podcasts, even doing Facebook lives, it's because that self-awareness, we, we question, we judge ourselves and that's what the first time I started to realize like, this judge, self-judgment thing, I've got a lot of it and it, it, it's a it's not a healthy thing. People and are I, hard on themselves. Yeah, I say I say that about myself all the time. Nobody's yeah. harder on on me than myself. Right? You know. And yeah. It's like every once in a while, you got to you got to give yourself a break. Exactly. You know, I give exactly. you permission to relax and yeah. meditate and all these different things. Yep. Now, uh, I wanted to dive into that particular trip to Milan. Yeah. Because, um, as you know, that's the the science of business development. Yep. And you did something really key in that trip that I thought was just so phenomenal and uh, correct me if I'm wrong but you you did the catwalk and you were nervous and these type of things and you went home and you're like I don't know if I'm gonna get it and your agent calls and says ah they're gonna pass on you and you were disappointed but then your agent and you crafted a nice little uh, yes a, a nice little to do there so yeah. you want to tell us a little bit about that yeah so the lesson of this story is don't take no as an answer this was a really ingenious by my modeling agent at the mm-hmm. time. So the Giorgio Armani fashion show was being cast and you walk in there and I mean, I didn't really know. I've, I'd heard the name, you kind of hear Giorgio Armani. It's like, I didn't really know about fashion. And so once I got the, the casting, it said the Armani Villa on Via Jesu or whatever the street was in Milan. And I go there and there's a big long line of guys outside we get let inside, we go downstairs, and his runway is right there in his, where his design studio is. And there he is up on the catwalk, and the catwalk is all lit up with this like plexiglass. Wow. And <clears throat> we were in the actual, the room where the fashion show happened. So there's all these like stadium seating, and all of us guys are just sitting there, and Mr. Armani asked each and, one of us, each and every one of us to come down and walk the runway in front of 400 guys so we all had our chance to walk and he just sits there and you know he's watching you know and his team they're watching and then they're like making notes and I mean it's like okay I'm just gonna walk and afterwards I get a call from my my uh, agent saying that they wanted me to come back for the fitting and she said they said if you get the uh, if you fit the clothes you're gonna get Mm -hmm. the job I was like amazing so I go back the next day so I'm one of like 40 guys that is being considered for the uh, the show, so I go in there and they throw some clothes on me and they throw me out onto the runway and there's Mr. Armani, and the way that Mr. Armani was looking at the clothes and asked me to walk, you could tell it wasn't from a perspective of of uh, of like a superficial like does this look right. good? It, I just mean, genius you could just at see work. a master artist mm-hmm. at work where it was like how it looked, the aesthetic, the energy, like, and you could just tell, like, just being in the presence of anyone who's a master at anything, there's, you could just feel that energy, and it was just like, wow, this guy, you could tell he had a vision of how everything in his studio, his clothes, you can just tell when someone has a very specific vision of what something should be like, and those are the most successful people Mm -hmm. in the world. 
And so I did my little walk and I left. And my agent called and said, I got the job. And so I was like, amazing. I was like, that's, you know, I was like, all right, I was on top of the world. And then the next day, um, uh, or you know what, sorry, um, what had happened was after that first audition, um, they said that they uh, were interested in, that's right, they said that they were interested in me coming in to do the fitting, mm-hmm. and if I fit the clothes, I was going to get the job. So that was the first thing in the morning. And then at around like noon, she called me again and said, Colin, they just called and said they don't need you to come anymore. That's what it was, completely butchering the story. Um, and so she said, but I'm going to tell you this, Colin, and she has this really thick Italian accent. She was like, you're scheduled to go in there today at like three o'clock. Now they just called and said, don't come anymore because apparently they're, they're full. I'm going to pretend we never had this phone call. You go. And I'm like, yeah, but Rosa, I was like, what if I get there? And like, what? they said no. And, and my thinking, you know, just from Midwestern trying to be a good boy and trying to right, fit in right. was don't want to rock the boat. Don't want to upset anyone. This is Mr. Armani. You know, I don't want to piss Mr. Armani off. And she was like, Colin, trust me. Just go there. Do your thing. Be you. Just, you, just go do this. And I'm like, Okay, so I show up for the fitting and I knock on the door and door opens up and a you know, big bodyguard guy opens the door and he's like, yes, can I help you? I'm like, yeah, I'm here for the fitting. <laughs> and like the whole time, I'm just like, what am I doing here? I'm not supposed to be here. They put me down, they go down, they throw the clothes on me and then that's when they put me up on the runway. And that's when I was like with Mr. Armani and, you know, I just... I, I just said, like, this, these are yeah. amazing clothes. He asked me to walk. Um, I kind of smiled because I, I don't know. I just was like, this is, I think he could tell I really appreciated the clothes and that I just, you know, from whatever it is that he saw in me, I left and then my agent called me and said, you booked the show. Had I not gone to, mm-hmm. that, to that fitting because what they had said was no, um, it was... Giorgio Armani's people that said no, not Giorgio Armani himself. So a lot of the times you have to get through the gatekeepers to get to the decision maker who really matters. And that's why you should never take no for an answer from the first few people, the gatekeepers. Mm -hmm. And there's more than one way to get into um, to where you need to be in order to show whoever it is that is going to be making that decision who you really are. Because you yeah. never know what can happen. Yeah, no, that, that's excellent. So never take no for an answer and always keep it going. And I think the most important thing is sometimes you just you just have to show up. Yes. You know? And yeah, yeah. sometimes life just has its way of yeah. making it all fit together. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so the next piece of this chapter, right? You did a lot of good modeling, you know, made it on some underwear boxes, <laughs> that type of thing. Yeah. I mean, that's crazy. But then you decided you had a... Uh, inclination to get into uh, acting, right? And uh, you started to make your way out to LA. Yeah, it, and this was, again, just kind of, uh, this all happened because I was offered the opportunity, I got invited to go to an acting class. Mm-hmm. And again, acting was not something that was on my radar. I, growing up, I was an introvert, kind of shy. But again, I really liked being around these really creative people, just this inspiring energy of creativity where it wasn't just people doing the same thing 
you know, over and over. And I think a lot of the times our natural inclination is to fit in so that we get accepted. But the best artists out there, the people that make the biggest difference in the world are the people that don't fit in. So you've got to be brave enough to go out there and follow your own vision and listen to your heart. Mm-hmm. And that can be difficult because mm-hmm. you're going to get criticized. You're going to get judged. And that's why I needed to clean up the judgment within myself. Anyone out there who's going out there to do anything amazing and anything great in the world, you got to get straight with yourself. Because a lot of the times, those negative thoughts that we tell ourselves, it's not true. It's inauthentic. Mm-hmm. It is based on some of the things that we decided when we were kids from the information we received from our, and this is not blaming parents, I'm not blaming you, but, and because parents are only doing the best that they can. Mm-hmm. Our teachers did the best that they can. And what happens is we take that information from our parents, from our teachers, from the religion we were raised in, from the culture we grew up in, and we make decisions based on all of that information that we are responsible for. And a lot mm-hmm. of the times we blame our environment, we blame our parents, we blame our teachers for the way we are. And as soon as this was explained to me in this way, I started to realize I've got the leverage and we all have the leverage in order to change whatever we need to in our life to be able to accomplish the things that we want to in life. It is so easy to sit back and blame and criticize and just be pissed off at the world. That's the easy way out. And that's victim mentality. That's the victim mentality. And what I realized when I was you know, 24, 25 years old, and I learned this from my acting teacher, was that when I first got invited to go to this acting class, I'd been modeling for a couple of years, mm-hmm. and I really liked being around creative people. My agent started sending me on commercial auditions where there's really no acting involved. It's driving a car, you know, you're just kind of like looking around or Gillette shaving commercial where you, you know, in the mirror, you're just shaving. And I started to book some of these commercials. My first commercial was a Folgers coffee commercial. I mean, just not a whole lot of acting involved. But again, I liked being around directors and these creative people. Mm -hmm. And so my agent said, you are starting to book these commercials. Have you ever thought about doing TV or film? And I was like, what, what are you talking about? And again, those negative thoughts can pop up and be like, who do I think I am to do what I see Tom Cruise doing and Brad Pitt and Matt Damon, we can be our own worst enemy with regards Mm -hmm. to when people make suggestions. If we don't believe it, right away we're going to criticize that idea and knock it down and not do it. But I was young and maybe naive and I was like, all right, I guess I'll give this acting class thing a shot. So again, door is offered, it's opened up walk through it. So I went to this acting class and again, just being around these really incredibly creative, artistic people spoke to Mm -hmm. my soul, spoke to who I really was. And this was like, all right, this is where I feel I belong. So that's where I started to become more interested in acting. And with acting, you get up in front of a group of people and you've got to bare your soul naked in front of these people in order for you to be believable as an actor. I know we've all seen some really shitty TV shows Mm -hmm. and some bad movies. And how would you describe bad acting? When you're watching a TV show, when you see bad acting, how would you describe it? The minute you look away, you're not involved with the character, you know? So that's a sign. It's like, okay, I'm not that interested. This guy's not 
pulling me in like I should be. Yeah. yeah. And, and what pulls us in, not just with acting, but with anyone in life, whether that's business or a personal relationship. When we watch a TV show, when mm. we can tell the actor is not really listening to the other actor, mm -hmm. when they're in their own little world, mm -hmm. when their response is not authentic to what the other actor is saying. So there's a disconnect. And what acting taught me was that you've got to really get laser focused in, in who that person is across from you because they, they are your fuel. They are your, your inspiration and they are, you're co-creating mm -hmm. something that is magical. And when you like go out into the world, when you're at a restaurant and you look over and you see a couple and you can just see the chemistry and they're like, it's effortless and they're smiling and they're just reacting with each other. And then you can look over here and you see this, maybe this couple over here who's been married for 12 years and they're just kind of like sitting there eating food and looking around and there's no energy, there's no, mm -hmm. there's no connection there. And that's similar to what acting is. When we, when we see energy, when we see that connection, we're intrigued. We're, we're like, we're, we're right there. Mm -hmm. And with acting, you've got to be, that takes a little practice with regards to getting out of your own head, getting out of your own way. And that's one of the most important things acting has taught me, taught me was to get out of my own way. Mm -hmm. And we all have to get out of our own way in order for us to have those authentic connections because when we have those authentic connections that's when you find your life partner mm -hmm. that's when you find great business partners when people can tell you're authentic and being real not being salesy not trying to pitch anything not trying to and i think this is this is what acting class has served me so well as an entrepreneur because um, i do real estate as well um, and i've got a couple of other businesses it's something that I think everyone can benefit from with regards to learning how to be, to get out of, get out of your own way to connect with people. Absolutely. And in acting and being able to communicate, like you said, is always a skill set that's transferable anywhere you go. Absolutely. Um, but you mentioned something earlier. You know, a lot of people, and me, me included, uh, when I was thinking about acting, I'm like, it's all about talent. It's all about looks and these type of things. But a lot of people have that. Mm -hmm. But then there's another piece of the equation yes. that you mentioned, which is the entrepreneur side of yeah. things. So talk to us a little bit about that tenacity to go and pound the pavement and what that experience is like. Yeah, th this is another big lesson, wake-up call that uh, happened for me and happens for a lot of artists. And that is the entrepreneurial component, the business side to the artistry of what we do or as an actor or as a painter or as uh, anyone who is in that creative field of, of whatever, of anything that we're, we're, where you're an artist. With acting class, I have met so many incredibly talented actors, actors that could easily win Academy Awards. But the missing component to why you don't see them at the Academy Awards or even see them on TV today, and I, I started to book TV shows, even though I'm not the most talented actor, I'll, I'll be the first person to admit that. But what I started to learn was the entrepreneurial side, the business side of mm -hmm. acting, meaning, and this is the way it was described to me, where as actors, most actors, we go to acting class, we learn how to break down a character, analyze a script, do all the improv exercises and all this crazy stuff that gets us very in touch with ourselves and and a lot of people can kind of think like, well, they're just kind of floofy actors and they're just self-centered and that sort of thing. 
it's important to learn your craft as, as an actor. A absolutely. But then there's the component of it where you've got to advocate for yourself. And this is the way it was described to me as you've got to be the CEO of your own business where your business is Greg DeKalb Incorporated or mm -hmm. Colin Eaglesfield Incorporated where the, the mind frame of most actor, actors is I'm an actor, I want that job, I want to be in Hollywood, I want to be on the big screen mm -hmm. and I need an agent and a manager and I need to get through the casting director I need them to pick me so that I can be in the movie to be able to do what I love to do. So there's this, this, this lower or this one down mentality where we put these agents and managers and casting directors up on these pedestals mm -hmm. and that's in every business that we do. When we are starting out in something new, we, we tend to, this is what I did, tend to put all the people who are the gatekeepers up on these pedestals and Energetically, they can feel it. Mm -hmm. And you are never going to get ahead in life when you are coming at anything in life from that place of they have something that I want and can you choose me? Can you pick me? And that's what we do like in relationships too. When you go on a date, you show up on a date. Well, I hope they like me. I, I, I got to dress good. I got to wear the nice clothes and I hope they pick me. And when you go on a date and you're sitting across from someone like that where you can tell that they're so insecure about who they are and hoping that you like them, mm -hmm. it it's, has the absolute opposite effect. It pushes people away. So the mentality that I started to learn was once you start to own your business as yourself, mm -hmm. you start to look at it from the perspective of, okay, I'm the leader of my business. The mm -hmm. only way I'm going to get to where I want to go is if I'm the driver and that entrepreneurial mindset is being a driver, being a problem solver, seeking out opportunities to solve problems and to give people what they want. When you can give people what they want, they will pick you all day long. Mm -hmm. And so instead of going into these auditions with the mindset of, I hope they pick me, I hope I don't fuck this audition up, it's more so, I've got something that I'm going to give to you as a gift. Mm -hmm. It's not, I hope you pick me, it's when you walk into a room, with that energy of, I've got something. It's not gonna be for everyone, mm -hmm. but when the right person receives it, it's gonna connect. So let's talk about that right person for just a moment here. Yeah. Because I think, you, like, I was listening to an interview that you were on yesterday with WGN and yeah. so forth, and you said something along the lines of that you've been on over 2,000 auditions. Yeah. That's insane. And I mean, only 40, 40 credits to my name. 40 credits to your name. So yeah. what's that work out to be about? 2% success rate. 2% yeah. success Yeah. So I, rate. when I wrote my book, I uh, did the calculations and the math. And over my 20-year career, it's been about 2,000 auditions. Excuse me. And, um, and yeah, uh, 40 credits to my name. And a lot of people could be discouraged by that. They look at that and they would focus on the, maybe the 98% failure rate. Some people may look at it as failure. But you just got to know, and I mentioned yesterday on WGN, that you got to know the game you're playing. Yeah. If you know the game you're playing, you know that, okay, the game of acting is 2% yep. success, 98%. It's not always going to work out. But if you look at it as feedback instead of failure mm -hmm. and, and keep, keep looking at things in, that, in the whole arena of what you do, 
as an opportunity to keep getting better, to learn yeah. something. And I mentioned yesterday that even the Hall of Fame baseball players, are they strike out or they get out or they fail uh, 70% of the time. Mm -hmm. If you're batting 300 in Major yeah. League Baseball, you're an all-star. Mm -hmm. And so baseball players know the game of baseball, know that you know, three to four times out of 10, if you're successful, that's, you're an all-star. Mm -hmm. And just know that when you do, when, you're, when it doesn't work out, there's something that you can learn from failure. If you're always hearing yes, and I've been around a lot of actors who all they hear is yes, they turn into monsters. Mm -hmm. And there's no checks and balances. And I think ultimately when people feel like there's no checks and balances and there's no accountability, they're miserable inside because when you feel like you can have anything you want, anytime, anywhere, mm -hmm. there's really, there's, a, there's an element of needing to apply yourself and earn something that makes it worthwhile. When you're given something that's free, you don't appreciate it as much as if it's mm -hmm. something that you have to work for. And that's what we're gonna be talking about tomorrow, yeah. that we've got different needs. We've got our mental needs, we've got our physical needs, we need to obviously eat, have food and, and shelter. We have our mental needs, we need to feel challenged. We, that's why we like to read books, we like to solve puzzles. We need to feel like there's a challenge in life. Mm -hmm. We have our emotional needs. Mm -hmm. We need to feel appreciated. We need to feel loved. And then this is a component that I think a lot of people have, this is where what I'm gonna be talking about tomorrow too at the summit is that there's the spiritual needs that we have. And when religion was more popular back in, you know, back in the day and, and lately now more and more people are moving away from institutionalized religion mm -hmm. where people are, they're, they don't necessarily buy into the, the stories and, and the, the, the books and the scriptures that you know, are back there. There's some value to all of that. Right. But I think what's happening now is people are starting to become a little more aware that it's not necessarily the words in a book. Mm -hmm. It's more this spiritual connection with something that's grander and bigger out there. We just don't necessarily know what it is or how to always connect to it. And that's the part where I think people are spiritually hungry for fulfillment and nourishment. And when you are not spiritually fulfilled in life, no matter how much money you make, no matter how cool you may have, mm -hmm. like your house and your, your podcast, and people are doing so many cool things and they're on boats and you, know, you open up Instagram and everyone's like looking like they're living the high life. But when you are spiritually bankrupt, no matter how much you have in life, no matter how in love you may be, if you are not self-fulfilled with your spirituality, you're, it's, it's gonna feel empty. And so with me, with acting, what I love about acting is that it spiritually fills me up because I feel like when I act and I, I get out of my own way, I am spiritually connected to these amazing characters, these amazing stories, these, and this is why people do are attracted to religion is because there's mythology, there's stories mm -hmm. in the Bible and the Quran and the Torah, and we connect to stories. And that's why I love acting so much is because stories are our way to communicate with each other. They're our way to feel connected to our community, to our culture. And so that's why we are so we're we're so like attracted to movies and mm -hmm. and and even these these are heroes like Spider-Man and Superman and and 
all, all these amazing characters that we watch on TV because that's where we feel spiritually connected. Our church has become movies and our home cinemas. The problem is we all have our home cinemas now at home with these giant screen TVs. We're no longer going to movie theaters. We're no longer really going to church. So we're starting to feel disconnected and isolated even though we're more connected than ever before because of our devices. But that's why we need to get out. We need to be around people. That's why I'm doing this event tomorrow so that we can come together and just be around people again and have these more more deeper and authentic conversations rather than just like, hey, you want to go on my boat this weekend? Let's go to the Bears game. And, you know, what's that hot top uh, stock pick that you have? where a lot of our conversations most of the time are just kind of like surface level, mm-hmm. but the conversations of like, what are your dreams mm-hmm. with your business? What are your goals? Like not just financial, what are your spiritual goals? What, what, is, what is gonna fulfill you with why you are doing this? And I think what happens is we, we end up doing things in life because we think it's what we should be doing on paper, but again, spiritually, if that's not what you are meant to do or what you are wanting to do, you're gonna feel empty and miserable, and that's why marriages break up, that's why businesses fall apart, and that's what we're gonna be talking about tomorrow. Yeah, and I, I certainly appreciate that, and having read your book, um, I, I loved your storytelling. You know, it was, it was, it was very cool, uh, the way you put yourself in these different situations. Um, I love the idea of how much entrepreneurship actually went into you know what you accomplished uh, and, and so forth and I highly recommend the book to any anybody that's listening uh, very motivational if you haven't had a chance please go out and find the agile artist by Colin thank you Colin really appreciate your time thanks for having me Greg